We at St. Columba's have modified our liturgy and choice of biblical readings as we pilot what's called Year W, a womanist liturgy rooted in racial justice. And I'd like to give some context. The customary practice of the Episcopal Church with the Roman Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, and most mainline Protestant denominations is to follow the revised common lectionary. It's a three-year cycle of readings that we hear read and interpret each week. So on any given Sunday in year A, B, or C, the church prescribes that we will hear, for example, the parable of the Good Samaritan, and then we'll match the gospel with a reading from the Hebrew Scriptures, the Epistles, and a Psalm, all of which may have some discernible common thread. This serves to hold the preacher accountable so she or he can't duck out of the readings that make him uncomfortable. Most importantly, it means that all across Christendom, we're sharing a common story on any given day. This is good, but there's a catch. Because as we repeat the cycle year after year, A, B, and C, we hear only those texts and we leave out the rest. Many centuries ago, good people of God determined the canon of texts that would and would not be included in the Bible. And then in more recent years, a handful of people determined which portions of the Bible would be included in the lectionary and thus constitute our spiritual diet. So it may be good to ask what got included and what got omitted? Who got included? Who got omitted? Who made those choices and with what theological or cultural lenses and biases. Now, I don't know exactly who all the editors were, but I'm going to take a guess that they looked a lot like me. Year W was compiled as a way to bring forth some of the stories that we don't hear in the common lectionary. In September, we departed from the common lectionary to celebrate a season of creation drawing upon texts that reveal the holiness of God's creation. Your W offers a womanist perspective. Womanist theology, which dates to the mid-1980s, is a methodological approach to theology which centers the experience and perspectives of black women, particularly African-American women. This is not about political correctness, neither is it about being anti-racist. This is about the kingdom of God, the beloved community that we're called to embody as we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'll say more about this in just a moment. 
A picture comes to mind from my recent sabbatical. I wanted to learn more about my ancestors. Through the years, I've heard a lot of stories about a lot of colorful characters. And prompted, perhaps, by having grandchildren of my own, I've been wondering what my grandparents and my ancestors before them passed on to me. What messages did I receive, spoken or unspoken, about who I am and what it means to be a part of this family? The gifts, the burdens, the curses, the blessings, what was bequeathed to me? How have their lives shaped my life and the choices that I've made along the way? I realized I'd only heard about select characters, most all of them men. So what if, at least in the dreams of my imagination, I could discover a great trunk in the attic filled with journals, with letters from different eras and bloodlines that revealed the lives and the stories not told, now buried, forgotten, stories perhaps of cruelty or abandonment, of desperation, of miscarriage, abortion, affairs, abuse, addiction, disease, anything that might have been deemed taboo. And how do I shift this dream so that I'm standing not on the inside, not with the editors who selected the stories, but from without, as one not seen, as one who was feared, forgotten, despised, victimized. For we're all children of God. The very meaning and definition of the beloved community of the kingdom of God is that we're all there, that we're all here. We're all seen, known, loved. And until that is so, it's not yet the kingdom of God. Who are your people? Who do you come from? What messages shaped you? It's a gift of privilege and good fortune that I can trace my lines way back. But for some, the only known story begins with adoption in this new family or arrival in this new country. Previous generations are lost for those who were enslaved, torn from their families against their will, or who fled persecution. As in our families, the church locates us within a family narrative. Indeed, that's part of the power of the Judeo-Christian faith, is to know ourselves as descendants of Adam and Eve, with Abraham and Sarah as our ancestors, to our vision, our envision ourselves in the disciples' stories of healing or witness, of feeding, of trial and blessing. Last Sunday, we heard about biblical ancestors who experienced brutality at the hands of others. 
a few of you responded. Joshua and I received some emails, had some conversations. Responses varied, but a few people said, and I paraphrase, you saw me. The church saw me. You acknowledged the pain I experience and your part in minimizing that pain, covering it up, perpetuating a structure that consistently returns to the normative narrative and forces the victims to find their own way. It is not enough, but it is a start. This work is hard, and this work is holy. This is about doing our individual and collective shadow work to see, hear, receive the stories of one another. Ultimately, and only by the grace of God, it is to reconcile, to integrate, to become whole as one body. Our mission to live God's love means to align ourselves with God's call to reconcile God's people one to another and to God, to draw the circle ever wider. Before reconciliation, there must be truth, victims, perpetrators sharing their truth, their experience. So with all of that, let's take a minute and meet one of our ancestors, a sister in the beloved community. She is known as the wise woman of Abel Bet Makah. The wise woman of Abel Bet Makah. We meet her at the end of the second book of Samuel. The first and second books of Samuel read as narrative history and recount the reign of David as king over Israel. At first, the model of faithfulness, heroism, and wise leadership David's life ends with a tragic twist as he betrays God and his people. And in today's reading, he is trying desperately to hold the kingdom together as a plot to overthrow him is launched from within his own ranks by a, quote, worthless man named Sheba of the tribe of Benjamin. David turns to his wise and powerful right-hand general, Joab, Knowing that Sheba and his insurrectionist troops are preparing within, Joab gathers his army for battle. Perched on a rising tell or mound, the city of Abel Bet Machah is at the northernmost part of the kingdom where Israel borders Lebanon. Archaeological remains reveal that it has been a strategic and a contested border town since the Bronze and the Iron Ages. As General Joab's soldiers tear into the walls, a wise woman called from the city, all of you, all of you, listen. Tell Joab to come to me. He came in his armored finery. Listen to the words of your slave woman. I am, said he. This in itself is an extraordinary picture. The general, the slave woman, 
the troops bristling, standing by. She says, I am among the most peaceful and faithful of Israel. Wisdom has long been sought and found in this place, a source of life and home of the Most High God, and you would destroy a mother and a city? Says Joab, show me a better way. I will. I will give you the head of the traitor Sheba, and you will leave us. Joab sounds the trumpet. War is averted. Joab returns to Jerusalem, and David clings to his kingdom a little longer. But for the source of the expression speaking truth to power, we need look no further. The heroine is the wise woman of Abel Beth Makah. Hers is a wisdom is born of hardship. Wisdom passed from woman to woman to survive and thrive in this contested land. Women who tend to the substance of life as the men march off to the follies of war. This wise woman stands with dignity, with guts and cunning. Her wisdom born of necessity wasn't pretty. She had to compromise, sacrifice Sheba, but for the sake of the city. She's my ancestor. She is our ancestor. She is our people. Her story is our story. She has the courage to grasp and speak the truth in the critical moments in her life. Let us pray that we may stand within the circle of her light. Say with me, her name is the wise woman of Abel Beth Makah. The wise woman of Abel Beth Makah. Amen.